everyone, and welcome to Season 2 of the Global Careers Calls podcast from the University of London Career Service. Listen in to stimulating career conversations between a member of our team and professionals working in a range of sectors based across the globe. This season's focus is corporate careers, so let's listen in to our Global Careers Call. Tanyal Kazim calls Nia Lane in Sweden. Nia is an MSc Organisational and Social Psychology alumni from the LSC, University of London. A career developer and copywriter by profession, Nia has led marketing campaigns for global brands across China, Sweden and America. She's currently the Senior Brand Manager at Machine Compare, a green tech and sustainability startup based in the UK. Nia shares how a childhood passion for creative storytelling, her side hustle as a freelancer, and the unpredictability of startup life has helped her to step into unfamiliar roles quickly. Packed with practical wisdom, we hope you enjoy this call with Nia. Nia, very warm welcome to Global Careers Calls. It's a pleasure to chat with you on this fine Friday morning. We're going to have to pause our friendship for the next 30 minutes and switch on our professional selves as we dive into your career journey so far. So first and foremost, Nia, who in the world are you and where in the world are you calling us from? <laughs> yes, hi, thank you, by the way. I'm really glad to be here. Uh, I'm Nia, so I'm currently senior brand manager at a startup and I'm actually currently in Sweden. Tomorrow I will, however, be in London where I'm based. Amazing. I want to just uh, take it back, looking at the career story so far. So Nia, if we look at a, um, a modern career lifespan as about 30, 40 years, it's fair to say with yours at about six, seven years old, you're relatively speaking still in your career infancy. And yet you've accumulated a wealth of senior experience across marketing, communications, brand management in quite a short space of time. So with all of that in mind, I'm intrigued to know how you would define yourself for those listening as a career starter, a career changer, a career developer, or indeed your own uh, term. I would probably say I'm the closest to a career developer. As you said, I, I'm still in my infancy in my career, but I've had kind of a, um, I guess, plunge into it all um and accelerated it quite quickly it's been really really fun um but that's why i would probably place myself there but of course there's other bits and pieces in there as well where you know it's a bit of a starter developer and i think changer all the rest of it um but i think that's what aligns closely currently in my career yeah i think a lot of people will, will resonate with that i don't think you ever feel you, there's always a room to, to learn. I don't think it's ever a case of, all right, completed my career now, I know everything. So it's always a sense of dynamism when it comes to defining where you're at. So a lot of people can relate, myself included. So Nia, you're a, a copywriter by profession. Uh, you've worked for a number of brands on some, some, some amazing communication pieces, global brands and uh, more local brands in your, your home country. Uh, before we dive into those roles, though, I want to unpick the why. So, why do you do the, the field of work that you do? And if you can define what that is for listeners. And where does this passion derive from? And how does it connect to your values? 
Wow. Um, well, writing in general, so copywriting, is obviously where it started. Now it's kind of shifted to still copy, uh, but a lot more kind of strategy and into a lot more fields like PR, branding, uh, external marketing in general, and kind of overseeing in a manage from a management perspective. But copywriting essentially started for me. Um, I went to international school as a kid, and that really made me fall in love with the English language. And, you know, I met people from all around the world and realized, wait a minute, I can actually communicate with all these people through this one language. Uh, English is also very broad as a language. You know, you look at Swedish, you know, it's a beautiful language too, but it's a lot more limited in words. So I immediately kind of caught on to English and I was like, wow, I just want to kind of perfect this craft. And I started writing. I loved storytelling as a kid, still do. So it kind of naturally all fell into place. I did feel that, you know, I wanted to do something that had a bit of strategy behind it too. I love kind of freeform writing, but I was also like, how can I communicate to people and, you know, impact their life and their behavior to do something good? So copywriting was quite natural. I fell into it. And from there, you know, I started doing a few things to kind of see, is this my thing? And it was. And essentially, that's where it all started. Now, as I said, from there, it's developed because I'm starting to kind of realize there's other fields to it. Um, mm -hmm. And then your second question was, if you mind repeating. Yeah, I think you half answered it already. Um, it was around how does this align to your values? Mm -hmm. So... Absolutely. And it, definitely what I said, but also the fact that like, you know, you can communicate to people, you can help them through language. And thankfully, because with technology today, you can reach a lot more people with what you do. So I think all in all, that's why kind of copy stands close to my heart. That's a very wholesome answer. And uh, I love the idea of combining your personal values with professional not everybody is able to forge a career out of something that truly motivates them and inspires them so it's it's lovely to hear you've you've carved a career out of storytelling and your love of language and words and um now do it on a professional level so uh, we'll get ample opportunity to to talk about how that's uh, you've navigated that journey a bit later in our chat but that's a great answer uh, so I want to understand, were there any particular work experiences, particular moments that come to mind, perhaps internships? You mentioned you've, uh, you're based abroad. Uh, you, I know that you've, you've been abroad as well for work. Uh, that influenced the early formings of your career? Absolutely. Um, I did an internship in China with CRCC Asia, and uh, that was really when it kind of fell into place that I copy was the way and marketing was the way because I finally got to kind of see first of all what it's like to work in advertising and marketing like what that dynamic looked like and the culture and I loved it because it's very kind of passionate creative people but then I also saw kind of what it entails and and how to influence behavior so to say and and get people to you know click the button, uh, you know, make the change, yeah. go for it. And I thought that's amazing. I've always been very kind of intrigued about psychology and behavioral sciences. So when I was there, you know, first of all, I was away from home and I really had to kind of be on my own for the first time. And that was an experience in itself, but it really left an impact of kind of seeing what it's like inside the business instead of just kind of seeing it from the outside, which I had till that point. So that definitely shaped my decision later on um, to 
kind of seek a career path within marketing and advertising. Yeah, and knowing you quite well, um, you are very intrigued by people. And I think marketing, or whatever career that you do, um, it's done slightly differently depending on the culture and the region that it is. And a lot of our listeners will be based in actually the APAC region, Asia Pacific region. Um, so it's nice to hear that our guest has uh, experienced that for herself. And, um, and so on this theme of international experience, so, and we'll get onto your, your experience and enjoyment and interest of psychology shortly, but stepping back some years, but advancing a few years from that internship, uh, period during 2017 up to 2019, I think it was, you were working in Sweden, uh, where you're currently talking to me from. Can you tell me about the work that you were doing there and what that experience was like and what it taught you? Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I, I came here straight after uni. Uh, I started working as a native English copywriter. Again, wanted to work in English and I got the opportunity to, so I automatically took it. Uh, it was a digital marketing agency. So again, it was not just kind of copywriting, but it, again, in the, in the modern world today, digital is kind of the thing, tech is the thing. And it really introduced me to that. So what I did there was, again, copywriting, working with art directors, um, other creatives with big companies, and, and really tried to, at that time, social media was big and kind of growing, modernize them and, and transition them into this kind of social media world, which was really fun because I came from a generation that I too didn't grow up with it, but I was kind of introduced by social media when I was a teenager. So it was really fun to take them through that transition. Um, so I worked with them. So I worked in Sweden and New York and, uh, yeah, met wonderful people, wonderful clients, and just kind of took that journey of taking the copywriting online and really learning to speak a global language and also simplify the language so that everyone could understand. So it was a really enriching experience. I have to say. Enriching experience. Yeah. It sounds like you, you did have a great time there. Uh, so what made you decide it was the right time to move on from that organization when you did? So it was a tough one. I love, like I said, the people and the projects, but there was a part of me that still wanted to learn and in an academic environment. So again, you know, psychology, consumer behavior was something that I just knew the passion was there and something just kept saying, you know, London as well, you know, it's such a beautiful city. My sister lived there, so I'd been there and I was like, I just want to see what it's like to be there. I would love to study there. Uh, and then naturally found the course that really spoke to me. Um, psychology, consumer behavior was all in there and also kind of motivation, which was something that I cultivated love for kind of helping people. How do you motivate them? How do you help them become the best version of themselves or companies yeah. or countries, you know, to be made a sustainability effort. So it kind of just spoke to me and on a whim, I just said, you know what, I am going to apply. What's the worst that can happen? Um, I don't get accepted. Um, I did. And then I just said, yeah, I'm going to go for it. You live once. Let's just go and see where this takes me. And I'm really happy I did. So now I'm still in London. So it says a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you do indeed live once. And uh, your career is, um, uh, knowing you, uh, you're always motivated to propel yourself and learn. Uh, and you, you follow that curiosity all the way back to the UK. Uh, so my next question was actually about your your academics and how they've helped to form your career and shape your career since. 
So just for listeners to clarify, um, you opted to come back to the UK to do a, a Master's of Science in Organisational and Social Psychology at the LSE, which is an institution of the University of London, making you by association one of our alumni, which is always great. So you did briefly touch on it, but can I ask, what was it that compelled you to seek out this opportunity was there a particular light bulb or aha type moment i think it was like a domino like almost yeah like an aha when i read the kind of program description um again i i I was looking for it on the side but not really like thinking like i'm gonna do it i was like if i find something that you know feels right i'm gonna go for it and i i started looking and obviously saw the description on the lsc and i was like this is exactly it it, yeah. it again had everything in it so i would almost say like it wasn't a how moment but i always knew at some point i would go into higher education and do the postgrad uh, i didn't know it was at that time but it just felt right and again the professors there had done amazing work so i was like honestly this is a chance of a lifetime I'm ready for it if it, you know, comes my way and if it's right, and I'm going to go for it. So a little bit of an epiphany of everything falling together and also just my interests driving me forward in that direction. Would you say to listeners it's important to sit down and carve out that time to think about the next steps you want to take? Because reading between what you said, it sounds like this was an intentional choice purely by the, the, the specifics of the degree and what it offered you. We've had a, a, another guest talk about her global MBA and the fact that it allowed her to learn in a global context rather than taking an any MBA in a different institution. So would you say you've always had a plan? Are you someone who's quite plan-orientated or are you sort of whimsical and, and you like to go with intuition? Uh, and if you could formulate that in some some practical tips for listeners absolutely i think uh it's a little bit of both you know i think it's a good idea as you said to sit sit down with yourself and really ask you know where are your values at what do you want to do and who you who do you want to become you know i think people always say what do i want to do you also have to ask who do i want to become you know education is so much more than just doing something and getting a career it's about who do you become that process and and what do you want to know about the world and how do you want to look at the world and question it in your own unique way and you know it's not only about the course but what kind of people do you think you'll meet there so lsc again it's a very very global university i mean insanely international right down my turf i was like this is it like i i grew up in international school this is just a kind of extension of that and you really want to think about that and take the time to sit down because you know, A, it's an investment of time and effort. You know, you should take your studies seriously and, and have fun at the same time, of course. But B, you know, th- this is your life. You know, at the end of the day, you, you want to look back one day and say, like, wow, that was amazing. And I did learn so much from the people I met and the courses I went to and just the experience I had with the whole thing. So absolutely, I would recommend everybody sit down and be really, like, honest with yourself. It's very easy to get kind of muddled in what you should do versus what you're good at and what you really want to do. That's where I think the key lies to a great career, but also a great life. And, you know, work and life should never be split. They should always be kind of the, the same thing because you work usually eight hours a day. So it's a lot of time. <laughs> I couldn't agree more with that. I 100% feel what you said. Uh, two listeners, I was just advised 
rewinding that uh, that bit of section that Nia's just uh, kindly articulated for us. I can't do it justice to summarise myself, but there's a lot of uh, value to be taken from from what you've just said around around networks, thinking about your values and and, and how it links to your career and so forth. So that's amazing. Right, Nia. So we're gonna uh, move away from academics to your present day career. So I want to ask you, what is it that you do now? Uh, or what sort of company do you work in? Mm. So yeah, I work at a, at a startup now. We're a green tech company. Um, I'm the senior brand manager there. And in a nutshell, very quickly, um, again, we're evolving as we go. That's what startups do, which I love. Uh, but we are essentially an inventory management kind of provider. Uh, we provide kind of data enrichment and also have a unique green parts marketplace. So what we do is we're kind of in the manufacturing sphere, um, looking at what spare parts and stock do manufacturers hold um, that they can, for example, use because they might not know they have that stock because oftentimes data can be quite messy across systems and across, you know, is to have a lot of different um, companies around the globe or warehouses. Not everyone logs data the same way. So we enrich that, clean it, standardize it, to show them what do you have, but also what surplus parts do you have that you can then sell on this green parts marketplace? Because until now, there hasn't been really been a viable solution for them to put them anywhere. So they might end up in landfill, which of course we don't want because they're new parts. They've never left their packaging and you want to kind of recirculate them back into the market. So in a nutshell, that's what we do. And uh, it's been really, really fun working there. It's a change of direction in terms of what you have done so far um and yeah it's a really interesting industry that you represent because you described it to me once before and to help listeners understand it's a bit like an amazon marketplace for for spare parts so if you think about all the millions of bits that exist in different industries um what happens to them right and so you've come in as a startup a sustainability start up to uh to have a say in 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 how that's all managed so it's uh it's a bit of a hidden but emerging industry and a, a fantastic mission uh so those listening might be very intrigued to to hear how as a, a marketeer copywriter um how you were drawn to such a, a niche intriguing mission what is it that that really stood out for you or rather um generally when you are assessing a potential employer to work for what do you look for what really speaks to you so yeah i mean when i'm looking so when for example i was looking for this role um first of all i love at that point i hadn't worked in a startup but i just loved the idea like wow you're gonna build it kind of from scratch you're gonna be the first there leave your mark on it and and really have a say in the direction of where it goes um culture for me is a very very big thing Again, I, I think it's very important to know who you're surrounded by um, because, again, there are great companies out there and lots of people and that's all amazing. But you want to find whether it's a department or the crowd, again, in startup, they're quite few, so it almost becomes a whole department in its own, where you really just like the people and they push you further and, you know, they have a vision as a company, but also as people. And being in a startup, you're very close to the people you work with. You also get involved with a lot of areas that maybe you weren't prepared for in the beginning, but you just kind of got to jump in. And I love that fact. 
So for me, I would say number one, you know, feeling the culture, because again, you're there for eight hours. You're, you have to feel inspired. You have to feel like you're growing. You have to feel like you can talk to these people about everything, but also be kind of pushed by them and, and you know, have con constructive criticism between each other without kind of stepping on each other's toes. So I think it's very important for me to see in the, when I, when I did the interview, what are the people like? And, and also ask them, where do you see this company going and what can I actually contribute here? Um, so I would say that that is number one, who you're surrounded by does a lot. It has a big difference on then what you produce. Fantastic advice. Um, would you advise people listening? These sorts of questions are very important, but it's not always easy to find the answers. Uh, so how did you practically find these answers? Is this something you researched, went away and done, or is it something you were quite honest and upfront about during the interview process? Or would you advise people? I say... All research is valuable. Obviously, speaking to people and asking and being honest yourself, you will see if there's a match between the culture and you. They will see if there's a match the other way as well. Uh, of course, do your research. You know, look at how people talk and and also, you know, how do they describe the culture? Ask them, like, what would you say this culture is like? It's very telling when people tell you. Of course, you want to make sure there's growth opportunities. Um, that is a very big thing for me as well. Kind of asking like, where do you see this company? Where are you guys heading? And what part do I play in that? If I would take this role that you're advertising for. Yeah. But also, where can I innovate? And how free am I to do mm -hmm. that? Um, for me, that's a very important part. Just being free to explore and learn. Obviously with the help and guidance of others. But just, just having that space to, to learn on my own accord as well. So again, everyone's different, but for me, that would probably be the number one. It's also very telling what they don't tell you or what they hesitate to mention. Uh, and I really, really like the way you frame that question because you framed it as a way like, this is what I am. This is what I, I want to develop. How can that fit into where you're going? So it's a win-win for, for both yourself and the organization that you'll hopefully being able to, to shape and depending on their answer, you will you will know whether it's the right opportunity for you. So some fantastic tips to those thinking about taking that next step in their career, perhaps changing their career, um, and aren't quite sure how to formulate thoughts and then the words. So thank you for that. Um, but as a senior brand manager, Nia, um, I appreciate those listening might not understand what the day-to-day -day of that job actually looks like. Being in a startup, I'm sure no two days look the same and it's very hard to, to describe a typical day. Absolutely. No, you hit the nail on the head there. No day, no week looks the same, but that's the fun. But I would say in general, I can maybe split up into areas. So, you know, you're involved with all kinds of external communication. You know, the world moves quickly. So if something might come in that you don't anticipate, you've got to be kind of quick on your feet. But otherwise, yeah, you, I, for me personally, my job, there's a lot of kind of strategic thinking, writing, copywriting, editing, uh, also prepping. So people on the team, if they have like a speech, uh, you know, the CEO might go somewhere and, and have a speech somewhere, prepping, managing. So a lot of kind of who needs to do what, when, when does it need to be done? Um, also outreaching. So this could be partners and stuff like that that you want to work with and, and get on board with your message and to support and to support them. So again, it's a lot of managing, writing, editing, 
but the strategy is what kind of overlies it all. You you got to be very widespread, but also very focused on what you do. A brand has to have a single voice, like a person. We all know if someone says something, we think, oh, that doesn't sound like them. It's the same with a brand. You have to kind of keep consistent while spreading yourself very far. Um, so it's a lot of managing of that and the strategy of how are people doing it in your company? How should you be doing it? And what are other brands doing where you can be inspired? Or where you might say, actually, we're going to take a little bit of a different direction here. Um, so strategy, I think, is the biggest part. And just lateral thinking, just thinking as much as you can outside the box and then simplifying it as much as you can so everyone can understand it. That's really fascinating. I could uh, I hear you. you <laughs> honestly, I could hear you talk more about it because it's um, it's important uh, what you're you're doing. And just that whole thing you mentioned earlier around storytelling you're always bringing it back to that um, and aligning it to the bigger picture. So, yeah, love it. Um, you did mention in your answer part of your day-to-day -day is managing. Uh, so those listening will be intrigued to hear and meet as well uh, how you found this um, experience because there'll be those looking to take that step up to manage individuals maybe as part of their their job role they have to manage a team of people now maybe they'll have to manage dreams of work or indeed uh, manage entire companies or perhaps departments and for a lot of people this is dipping their toes into the unknown it's not an easy job because alongside that you have to do your work as well as looking out for other people um, what have you learned about managing your own management style and what do you value in the style of other people? Wow. So in my kind of learnings, I've learned listening is key. You know, we were born with two ears and one mouth for a reason. Um, I think that's not always easier said than done because, you know, everyone has ideas, especially like in a creative field, you, you want to kind of say it all at once. Um, and, and definitely it can be difficult at times. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, I think that that's an art in itself to listen, to really understand and to make people feel seen as a manager. I think that's very important because what you do there is you kind of give them permission to keep exploring and growing, which is what you want. So I'm definitely still learning. I'm definitely in the beginning of my management career. Um, I would say that's also what I look for when I look at people I admire. Yeah. You know, it's, it's this listening aspect and and really understanding people and asking them, what do you want with your career? What can I do to help you? Because essentially you are their kind of path wherever they want to go. You got to support them. And then hopefully they'll become managers and do the same thing. You know, again, domino effect it down. Um, so I would say when I look at people I admire and, and things that I want to follow, it's precisely that it starts with listening and then taking it from there because you are their leader in the sense of you got to listen to them they don't have to necessarily always listen to you and i think sometimes people get that wrong fantastic again amazing advice um i want to move on actually to uh, another area quite related though so we're going to get a little bit more reflective and perhaps a little bit more candid if that's okay uh, with some of your experiences so you've mentioned you work in a startup lots of unpredictability highs and feelings of euphoria as well as lows um, and to me uh, personally you've, you've told me about some of the ways you've stretched your comfort zone without knowing all of the answers so is there a particular time when you said yes to something in this role 
and you weren't sure about it, but you went with it. What was that like? Wow, absolutely. Multiple times. Again, because it moves so fast, you know, and, and that, but that's the beauty as well. Um, so I, I can't maybe pinpoint a specific time, but I can certainly say that, yes, that's happened. Um, but I think that's how you learn to fail fast. I know it's a big word in kind of industry, but you, you really do want to say yes to things where you're not certain because then you're forced to learn as well. I think a lot of people, and myself included many times, wait too long because it's got to be yeah. perfect before you make the move. It's got to be perfect before you, you take that step or contact mm. that person. Throughout working in a startup, I've just learned, okay, yes, absolutely. Make it nice and, and whether it's a message, an email you want to send, but eventually just got to let go. Um, you know, and, and eventually it's just you just have to see how the world reacts to it and then learn yeah. from that. So I think that, that's the biggest thing I've learned from that, but I definitely learned it by saying yes to things where I wasn't yeah. sure. Um, and it still worked out because if it doesn't go exactly as planned, you find another way to work around it. Um, so yeah, I would say to everyone listening, um, obviously take calculated risks, mm -hmm. but take risks nonetheless, because they will open doors you didn't realize were there and you're more capable, I think, than you believe first, because again, we're so kind of brought up to think it's got to be perfect, you know, rather do it quickly and well than perfect and slow. Yeah. This is something we're both quite interested in the psychology of, of um our own self-limiting beliefs with a lot of things um a lot of the time as you've just fantastically articulated you just need to get that first step taken and you can navigate and work it out along the way and that by definition is growth right i think a lot of people are scared and overwhelmed by the unknown naturally because we're human we don't know what's on the other side therefore we create all sorts of scenarios in our head about about it whether it's applying for that job having that presentation uh, with a big client or a senior stakeholder all you can control is how you prepare for it and the rest is left to the universe is what i, I like to say to you sometimes and um <laughs> i know it's a lot easier said than done but there are small ways you can practice growth in um less in the lower stake situations i'd say um even if it is sending that that email which other people are going to be cc'd into so you're, you're worried about how they might read it um so yeah i really love that advice uh very very practical as well um so nia um i want to now ask you about your experience as a freelancer so alongside your your main job you do some freelance work um i don't know how you fit in all time to do that honestly it's very impressive um but i'm intrigued to, to know firstly what has being a freelancer taught you wow um taught me a lot i would say because when you freelance you know you kind of time manage on your own you make your own kind of goals you gotta outreach you gotta pitch and I think, again, I, I don't do a massive amount of it because I obviously can't yeah. <laughs> due to time. But I, I do have clients that I've worked with for a long time. And so naturally, it's easier mm. to kind of know the rhythm of work, how they write, and all the kind of guidelines. But I think it's taught me a lot about kind of my own time management. Um, also, 
finding time to finish it on time so that I can edit it and just look back on it without kind of screwing myself over at the end. Um, I would say also it's really taught me to become confident in selling my craft. Also having to research very independently for projects and not always being sure like, is this correct or not? And being able to ask those questions to the client directly without feeling like, oh, are they going to think this or that? Um, so, so it's very, I would honestly recommend to as many people as possible, if you can freelance, it doesn't have to be writing, but it, it's such a nice experience to have on the side of things. A, you know, you're creating something of your own on the side, but also you're managing it wholeheartedly yourself. Uh, and it does feed back to your work, Yeah, you know, because I'm sitting with strategy and all the rest of it, I might not write as much as I did before, but with freelance there, I continue kind of keeping that up to date, you know, looking at copy, how is it developing? You know, what should my CPAs look like? What, what should it look like on social? How many characters? Um, it really keeps you on your toes. Mm. Um, because again, you have your own line of work, you get quite comfortable there, you work there eight hours. But then on the side, you have something else that's kind of always changing and, and being dynamic in its own way. Uh, so it feeds back and forth, I would say. Both feed to each other. Um, and it's been really fun because of the clients as well and the people I work with uh, on the freelance basis too. I have a few follow-up questions. I hope I remember them all. Uh, so that the first one that's just <laughs> at the forefront of my head is, in a practical sense, how many hours a week do you freelance for? What is sustainable for you so due to the fact that i've limited what i do uh i'm on a retainer for example for one client so i would say maybe a day day's worth but i can split that up right. if i want uh, because i've scaled yeah. it down uh, so that's for one client and i think it works really well for me because maybe after work i'll do a little bit and then if i need a weekend i'll do it again again i don't have anyone works on the weekends uh, but at the same time I think, um, you know, again, this comes back to the time management yeah. aspect of it and, and finding your comfort zone. Some days, for example, for me, I might have a writer's block and say, I thought I was going to write today, I'm not going to write today. You always get there in the end. Um, but I think it's all about just, yeah, finding the time. If you have gaps and you want to use them for it, do it. But be very kind of kind to yourself in the process too. Give yourself enough time to finish it so that if you don't feel like a one day or something happens, you do have the time in the um yeah hours after work or if you want to do it on a weekend do it on a weekend but i wouldn't recommend <laughs> even for those listening who have no interest in in freelancing or taking on additional work there's a lot of value in what you're saying around portioning your week so uh, around your energy levels around your commitments you can split up a day of work um i'm not recommending to anybody they they don't do a day of work during a day of work but you know like as you've been saying like two hours here and sometimes it's not writing it's the planning it's the strategizing it's just the thinking space um so that that's really helpful to to people listening um but for those who are interested in um taking on like a portfolio career let's say uh to the career developers or changes they might not be sure about where to start with building those networks or indeed once they have those networks how to approach that conversation with their, their main workplace. So what is your experience of, so how, how do you build up a network? And uh, finally, um, yeah, the, the second part of that is um, how do you navigate that conversation with your, your workplace? So building a network for me personally, again, 
I mean, of course, there's the wonderful thing called LinkedIn uh, and networking events that are set up all around cities and whatnot. For me, it happened to roll over from my previous workplace. Um, so I had a client there. Um, from that, I was new people who were doing freelancing in the work I was in. And I started speaking to them like, oh, what is it like? Like, how do you do it? How do you manage this? Like taxes and stuff, you know, because that's always a question too. Like, how do I manage that? Uh, luckily, there are companies out there that do that for you. Okay, they take a percentage of what you make, but that's okay because then you don't have to sit there. So I think just speaking to people, uh, finding people in your field, speaking to them, maybe at your company, there are people that freelance. I certainly make contacts that way, who I work with today because of that. So just networking, 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 LinkedIn, offline, wherever you want to do it, speak to people, look on websites that kind of hire freelancers, reach out to recruiters that are looking for freelancers. There's always a way. And obviously do courses to kind of obviously uplift what you're doing. I think navigating how to take that with the workplace. For me, since I already was a freelancer when I started where I'm currently at, I was very upfront about it. And I said, look, I am a freelancer. I would like to continue doing this. Um, you know, obviously not going to work during hours that I work for you. But um, I, I do want to continue doing this because X, Y, Z, everyone has their own reason. Um, and it's just about having that discussion, you know, you, you don't want to do it without having had it because you don't know what maybe in your contract, you might have a few things that say, is this something you, you mentioned before signing any, uh, contract is you, uh, or is that on your first Absolutely. day or you do it before, right? Before. Yeah. So you, I would say I would recommend to everyone and I think, you know, hopefully everyone does this, read your contract quite thoroughly. Um, and then see and be very open about it, not just freelancing aspects or anything like that, but just look at contracts and be open about what you are happy to agree with and what maybe you want to kind of compromise on and meet in the middle with. Very important. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> an obvious point, but not everybody does it and they get put off by all the documentation. It's so important though. Um, and you, you can <laughs> always um, leverage a contract uh, if you know if you know what you want and and how to articulate it I, I believe personally so and that's another like side tip for people and I think um, you know for those listening who uh, aren't so interested in the marketing industry uh, being a marketer copywriter I think the tips you've said there around don't just coast in your your jobs be intentional to make those net networks because they're so valuable to advancing your career helping other people as well you never know where they're going to come in handy so yeah I, I also echo that advice around keep in touch with people from past jobs you never know when you might come back around to, to work with them i think this is applicable to every career uh, i could possibly think of to be honest somehow we've reached the bit sweet part of our show which is our closing tradition a quick fire round so i'm going to ask you uh, some quick fire questions the first one who or what inspires you in a professional sense people just people that i meet on client side in my work people outside of work honestly everyone inspires me and as a creative i think that's the mindset you should probably have be very curious about the world and let everybody inspire you excellent i love that taking a humble approach to your work um what one tip would you give to any budding marketeers out there um in terms of a skill 
that they should look to hone, thinking about the future and digital and all of that. Um, yeah, what one tip based on what you're seeing in the industries? Well, again, marketing is quite broad, but I would say definitely copy and simplifying, simplifying, simplifying. If you want to go into marketing real, it's always external, um, at, or it can be internal as well. But I think really, really learn to simplify your communication and how you communicate. We like to call it kill your darlings in uh, marketing, whereby you might think you have a great at which you do, but not everyone will get it. So you have to just learn to really, really simplify. And of course, all the things of SEO, but I would say that's the first point. Learn to simplify so everybody can understand. Two more questions. Nia, uh, kid fire off some more but we don't have the time i'm afraid uh, so what's a career highlight you are really proud of in this role or indeed the span of your career so far i mean there have been moments but i would say overall just traveling and being daring enough to work in different countries and with kind of international audiences um and just yeah jumping into it wherever i am that would be the one thing and I'm proud you should be of that. And the final question, I think maybe a related answer. Where do you see yourself in five years? In one way, I love this question, but at the same time, it's a very difficult one. Um, I don't know. And the reason I answer that, and I hope I can maybe elaborate a little bit on that, is because where 2022 took me was nothing like I thought it, how I thought it would go. Uh, and it became so much like more um so i i can have a north star of where i want to go and obviously that's just keep growing in marketing i really do love the field um but i'm i'm also very kind of strict on myself to say you can have a north star but things will happen a lot you'll meet people you'll go somewhere and something else will kind of come through like to you so i would say i don't know but all i know is i'm gonna do my best and always kind of strive forward every day of my life. You are open to where the stars will take you. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, Nia, I want to say a very warm and sincere thank you. We've never like worked together on something like this, but I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Same. And thank you so much for inviting me to do this. This was really fun. And uh, definitely been inspired on my end as well. Thank you for joining us once again on the Global Careers Calls podcast. This was the Global Careers Calls podcast brought to you by the University of London Career Service. All links and resources are in the episode notes. This episode was hosted by Tanyel Kazim, edited by Abby Underwood, and introduced by me, Melissa Drorian. Follow and subscribe to keep up to date with our upcoming episodes with more motivational stories from our diverse graduate cohort. And please rate and leave a review if you found it useful. To listen to previous episodes and find further resources by our team, visit www.london.ac.uk forward slash careers.